On this month's show, our special guests are Amanda and Ray Maranon, owners of the Sushi Samurai on top of Queen Anne Hill. We'll talk about openings of tasting rooms, tap rooms, and a new Portage Bay Cafe. We'll keep you updated on events and end with some tips. You'll hear it all on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hello, this is Duke Mosgrave from Duke's Chowder House, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to our November show, 2211. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Hello, hello. Oh, there you go. I, I had in my mind that we were going to get the turkey call <laughs> as the opening for the November show, and then it didn't come at first. I was a little disappointed. I had to get my goiter right. <laughs> and believe me, listeners, not pretty. All right, you know what I wanted to talk about in general this uh, in general and in specifics this month is about prepped or pre-made food. What's your take? And part of this is because we're coming into holidays, people are busy and they're doing stuff and maybe it's easier to buy pre-made food or maybe they need a little help or maybe they need no help at all. But what what's kind of in general your opinion about prepped or pre-made food? What's been your experience? Well, if I buy it at the store, I'm typically not Real thrilled with it because uh, it's usually got too much salt in it or it's not made with the best products. Um, And if I had the time or if I was willing to pay someone to make it for me, I would probably probably uh take a number of recipes right about now and uh you know maybe i'll hire a task rabbit to come over and cook for me <laughs> and i'll just have that person sit there and prep food for me all day and make me a lasagna and oh, make you me go. uh you know a couple things that'll freeze real but with well the, the product that you've bought yeah with the product yeah. i buy interesting and i give them the shopping list or, yeah. or i'll do the shopping or yeah, I know because you know that, that's the problem at home is is there's really good um, meal prep cookbooks out there. It, it you just got to find the time to make it. Yeah, and if you're really going to do a meal prep kind of thing, you need all day because you're going to do numerous meals. Yeah, exactly. And put in or sauces or you know whatever you want to freeze and use later. Yeah, yeah. I've had pretty much the same uh, experience. I, I haven't liked pre-made food, um, and and from nice places. I've bought pre-done stuff from PCC, Whole Foods, Met Market, and none of them really ever do it for me, um, flavor-wise. Yeah. You know. um, the other thing, uh, we tried a delivery thing one time. We've talked about this before, and it just doesn't work. Our schedules change too fast, and you buy food, and then you're not home. And then you... Waste food. Yeah, and we don't live together, so it's, you know, we're only together four nights a week. I, I would mm-hmm. imagine that works better for families that live together. Mm-hmm. And who have like nine to five jobs. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, and you got, you got you know, here in Seattle now, it's uh, a lot of uh, both spouses working to pay for that multi level condo in Ballard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next to the homeless encampment. <laughs> the other thing for us is we actually enjoy cooking. So, you know, going out and getting prepped food isn't always what we'd like. But I did an interview uh, that will uh, come out. It's going to be a two-parter, so November and December, about Kitchen Plus Market. Uh-huh. And this is a woman, Stephanie King, who wanted to address the issues of her in, uh, original thing was – the address the issues of working moms because she's like the, the most horrible question in the world is what's for dinner 
<laughs> because nobody will say what they want or, um, you know, and it's always last minute and what you're going to do and you got to go to the store and all this stuff. So she decided to try out doing a meal kit and um, it it went gangbusters. They did one for Mother's Day uh-huh. and it just went gangbusters and the people who tried it all emailed and said, what's coming next week? So she was like, well, I better keep going. Um, so we did one of their meal kits, a pad thai, and I'm not a big pad thai person, but you are. So I thought that would be a good one to try. And, uh, I asked her about shelf life because they don't use preservatives. And her thing was when you take it from the store, you have three to four days. Huh? So we were, as you mentioned, not living together. It was three days before I made that for us. Oh, wow. It and was quite good. It was so good. It was it was the best pad thai I've ever had. Isn't that amazing? And the the fun thing about it was there was uh the chicken was cooked. It was two breasts and the they they used uh, green a lot of bell peppers and onions, mm-hmm. which you don't really see in pad thai normally, but it was really good. Yeah. That was chopped up. But they give you cilantro, which you have to chop. They gave you peanuts, which you had to crush. Um they gave you uh, scallions, green onions that you had to chop. Um, they had to chop the, the chicken up. And they gave you uh, noodle sauce, noodles that you cooked, boiled, and then, and then not sauce to put on them. There was peanut sauce in there. And then they give you a recipe that shows you step-by-step step every single thing that's in the meal kit, how to, when to do it. So it didn't take long, but I did feel like I was cooking. You know, because I was putting it together. Yeah. But it was really nice to have it all prepped. We had, we well, both. You yeah. did it good because you didn't use all the noodles. Oh, no. And the, the chicken breasts were pretty large, so you just used one. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like having a big old pad thai salad. It was really good. It was really good. And, and it was supposed to feed two. I've got, uh, they give you a packet of a regular packet like you'd get at a grocery store of the noodles mm-hmm. and it says seven servings so I, oh. I used very little of that because you're not a big noodle person no i don't that's one thing i don't like in pad thai is excessive amount of noodles and then they never put enough protein in pad thai yeah so you know you get like like an ounce or two maximum usually yeah that's not enough exactly and this like you said it was an enormous breast i had half of it half of the second one the next day and just dipped it into the peanut sauce you know so sometimes people say something like this is too expensive now this meal kit was 45 dollars, so 22.50 a person that's kind of restaurant prices but look how much we had left over yeah even though i didn't make it all did you I get still... a third and a fourth meal out of it no i i of course wasn't home for the next four days so i i threw it out today what oh the part of what i'd cooked Already had, you know, I didn't want to take the chance because it had been too long. But it would have been at least, that would have been one more meal. Uh-huh. I still have all the sauces, the noodles. Um, I still have the green uh, onions, and I still have the cilantro, which is still good. Yeah. The other thing that surprised me was they use really good ingredients. They get, I don't know where they're getting all their produce, but it was so fresh and so good, and I'd had it three days. Yeah. So, you know... I, I think that's reasonable, price-wise. Yeah. So, so. one more time, uh, the name of the company is called? Kitchen Plus Market. And they're, they're here in Seattle. Yeah, their flagship store is at Pike Place Market. Uh-huh. And then they just opened a store that's like three times smaller than that, and it's on Mercer Island. And they're going to be opening in about a year across from Yarrow Bay in the old Big Fish Grill. Can I get uh, delivery on it? Yes, and they do their own delivery, so there's no third-party charge. Okay. Well, I'm sure they have a delivery charge. Maybe. I haven't looked at that, but, yeah, they're not doing a third-party. Yeah, I want want more. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I think we need to just go wander the Pike Place Market Store probably and look at it. They also sell a bunch of stuff. The whole idea, her whole concept is you don't have time to go 14 places. At the right. end of the day. So they want to be in neighborhoods so that people can, uh, you know, leave the office and maybe buy it on the f- bottom floor of the office building or get home and buy it at the corner store and put it on the table. Mm-hmm. So um, they're looking at other places. They've got uh, – so they're going to go into Eastlake within the next six oh, months good. or so. Um, so 
Um, I think it's the one. It's the one prepped slash prepared meal that I've ever tried that I thought was that good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And like some places that are now out of business, called local. Oh, or wasn't organic, but it was no, no. Uh, Anyways, oh well. Yeah. Their pre-made foods were horrible. We didn't up like the on, flavors. Up on top of Queen Anne. They had several, and then somebody bought them out. Eat, they may eat local. Eat local. Eat local. Yeah. They may still be around, but they're off Queen Anne for sure. Yeah, their their food was not very good. Yeah. Anyways, so where have we been eating out? Well, I'll start with Harry's Beach House in West Seattle. I'm, you know, I used to be in West Seattle fairly frequently and never saw this place. But what did you find out? It was two years or three years old. Oh, yeah, three years old. Yeah. Um, Right on Alki. And we went for brunch. We met some family at brunch. And I thought it was pretty good. Uh, They had, uh, my niece had shakshuka. I had a Benedict. You got corn cakes. Yep. And uh, Ryan got the pork chop, I think. Yeah, that was okay. Yeah. I got to say, uh, it didn't. The food didn't stick with me all day. Mm-hmm. I, I had to eat within like three hours. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. And they said going in, we go there f- somewhat frequently. Sometimes it just blows us away how good it is. And oh. other times, hmm. So maybe a little inconsistent, but it was kind of fun to be there. It, we will say we ate out on the tent. Inside is as loud as it can be. Yeah, but so, if you got good hearing, go in there. Yeah, go in there because you'll it. you won't have good hearing after that. <laughs> Do you want to choose one of yours? Uh yeah. Okay, so uh, we went to Crab Fest in Port Angeles, and boy, oh boy, am I glad we did. Yeah, because uh, there ain't gonna be no crab for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dungeness, I don't know. It's king crab and snow crab that's got the problem right now but yeah and they were having a shortage and then they finally were able to pull it off and made sure they had enough for the weekend but uh dungeness is in short supply Mm. right now too so you know we we always like to have crab around the holidays and i don't think we've had it for two or three years because the they've shut down the the fisheries because of a shortage of crabs you know yeah Um, so as you're planning out your holiday meals remember you're you're probably not getting crab. If you are getting crab, you're going to pay a lot for it because let's suppose that even Dun- even though Dungeness is available, uh, what would you do if you were a supermarket corporate guy? You'd jack the price up on the Dungeness because you know you can't make any money on the wild or the uh, the Alaskan king crab or or the snow crab. Yeah. yeah. So so the crab prices are going to be sky high because of a shortage. Uh, you know, the supply and demand curve is going to send them sky high. Yeah. Um, I went on a waterways dinner cruise on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I am – this is the second time I've done it, and it's been years in between. And both times I was surprised because the food is really pretty good. And when I think of a tour or a cruise, you know – it's what you're seeing that's the focus, and oftentimes the food is disappointing. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. And, of course, it was really fun to go around Lake Union. It was dark, just almost dark when we got there at 630. And then, of course, it went dark. But then you've got all the lights, and it went through the cut. Uh-huh. It was, it was really pretty fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do that in December, you get all the Christmas lights around. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, okay, well, my mother always told me don't say anything <laughs> if you don't have anything nice to say. So uh, the nicest thing I can tell you is don't go spend your money at, how do you say, Bagus? Bagus, I guess. I'm not Bogus sure. Bagus Little Asia in Montlake Terrace. Don't go waste your money there. Uh, the food was pathetic, and the wine in the wine taps was old. And we're moving on. <laughs> All right. Um, I met with a group of people at Taki's Mad Greek on Crown Hill. Now, they've been up in that area for a long time, but they moved across the street into the um, Mediterranean place um, where they had the belly dancing and everything. Uh-huh. And 
apparently four years ago. And well, I am they just... were up on 15th and they moved down to 85th. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I have to say, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's one of those places where you get far too much food. Uh-huh. But um, it was good, and I had the second half of my lunch the next day, and it was good. Hmm. So I was happy to see that. And they have entertainment on the weekends there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, nice little family thing that's been going on for a while. A long time. Yep. A long time. Yeah. All right. Um, well, my last one is the, uh, what do they call it, the, the, the cottage? I thought that was the cottage. I couldn't find it, honestly, online. Called the cottage, I believe it's called the Cottage Cafe out in Port Angeles. It's where we had breakfast the morning after Crab Fest. Oh, I thought it was in Squim. Is it? It was in Port Angeles. It's in Port Angeles. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's it's okay. Yeah. Not, not to not to blow me away. And it's another place where you get far too much food. And the person who took us there mentioned that, so we split a breakfast, and it was fine. We didn't need anything else. Mm-hmm. You know? But it would be easy to uh, load yourself up and have to go shoot yourself full of insulin after you eat there. Yeah. So, uh, it's not, not the kind of place I like to go to all the time, but it was, it was good fun. to meet up with our friend. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, oh, home meals. What have we been cooking at home? I'll tell you, for me, it was Slim Pickens. I, I had a huge success, but I couldn't come up with anything else I'd done new this month, so it's just the one thing. And I made a steak salad one night, and I don't know why, but all of a well, I guess I had a pear in the refrigerator, and I thought, you know what? I wanted salad, but I wanted some protein. So I got some grass-fed ribeye, and mm-hmm. I put Montreal seasoning on it and barbecued it. Then I had pears, figs. I had another fruit on it that I'm blanking on now, but it'll be on, on the, online in January. Um, blue cheese, crumbles. I believe I put sliced almonds, toasted sliced almonds on. And then the dressing was a nice olive oil with mission fig balsamic. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Mm. I want it again. Yeah. I'll be doing it again soon. Really good. Well, when I was a kid, I lived in uh, Pasadena, California, and we had two Jurgensen's grocery stores. It was a little chain down in Southern California, and it, eventually the last one croaked. I think it was up near Santa Barbara and Montecito. <laughs> uh, but anyways, they, they used to make this delicious roast beef sandwich, and I went through my database and reworked and learned how to make that sandwich again and um this last month we we've made it a few times because it's so dang good it really is good and i i sort of uh so so the way the original sandwich goes it's uh two slices of sourdough bread some mayonnaise some lowry salt and uh some uh uh what do you call that iceberg not iceberg lettuce but the chopped white romaine lettuce. No, the chopped white lettuce. That would be iceberg. Iceberg, okay. Yeah, head iceberg lettuce. Iceberg lettuce and, uh, and roast beef. Really easy to make. Did I say the bread and butter pickles? No, that's Okay, that's bread and butter pickles. So you just take the, the bread, slather on the mayo, put the bread and butter pickles on, lay out the, the uh, roast beef, and then put Ooh. the iceberg lettuce on. And where do you put the lowries? Eh, you put it on top of the roast beef probably. Okay. And you got a really delicious sandwich that you can make in about five minutes. Yeah. So what I've been doing uh, the, the rest of the month is I've been sort of re-engineering it. First of all, the iceberg lettuce I could care less about. Uh, it's pretty useless. It doesn't really have much flavor to it. All you get with it is basically some sort of texture. Mm-hmm. So I chucked that. And then uh, uh, I'm using all organic Dave's bread, Dave's killer bread. I'm using organic bread and butter pickles. I'm getting organic roast beef out of PCC, and it's the uh, Applegate brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually sliced a little bit of cheese and put it in with it. And uh, the only thing that's not organic is the Lowry salt. Yeah. The mayo is organic. It's Cadia. And uh, quite, quite yummy. So we're going to publish that recipe as well. Yeah. And you will be eating that again and again just like we are. And we are going to take a little break, and then we'll come back with some news bites. 
Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... The Canyon River Grill, located in the heart of Yakima Canyon. Experience Chef Kevin Davis's meticulously crafted and delicious cuisine alongside the Yakima River. Extend your stay in overnight in one of the Canyon River Ranch's exquisite suites. Visit the website at canyonrivergrill.com for hours and reservations. Hi, I'm Julia. I live in West Seattle, and I just want to give a shout-out to La Rustica, one of my favorite Italian restaurants in West Seattle. Hi, this is Chef Mike Jordan with McMinimins, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the front of the house. And we're going to jump into the news bite segment of the show. So I, what's going on out there? I just love it when someone sings my name. I like that. Connie Adams. Connie Adams. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first item is that the Brown Family Vineyards is opening a fourth tasting room. This one's going into Bellevue next to Monsoon on Main Street. They'll offer daily flights, wine by the glass, and interestingly, they are also expanding into craft spirits with a distillery in Spokane. Yeah, you know, I remember we were talking to the folks at Chinook one day, and they said that everybody who owns a winery is supposed to own the rights to a beer as well. Why did they say that? I don't recall that. And they sold off the Chinook beer rights to someone else. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what that. That's the only time I ever heard that. So I don't know what, yeah. what the whole detail is. Maybe somebody can chime in on Facebook to us and tell yeah. us. Maybe Kay and Clay were messing with us. Um, there is a new winery going into or in Walla Walla. It's called Dossier. Um, I think it's not open. They're building a winemaking facility slash tasting room, and the first wines are being released. Were released in October, and then there's more to come in 2023. It's owned by a former NFL player, Sidney Rice, and a real estate broker, Tim Lenahan. The NFL players are getting into wine in a big way. I'm going to start. I'm going to do the dossier beer then. Yeah, better buy that right now because they're probably building a distillery as we speak, <laughs> which has nothing to do with beer, of course, being yeah. a distillery. Um, this one's interesting. The Silver a Silver Cloud Hotel affiliate, so a company connected to Silver Cloud bought a parking lot next door to the Silver Cloud Stadium Hotel in Pioneer Square. Uh-huh. And short term, they're using it as a staging area to remodel the hotel. Long term, they may put up a parking structure or an, use it as a an expansion to the hotel, or maybe both. Huh. Wow, they already got a remodel down there, huh? Well, you know what? It's been 10 years. Wow. And a hotel that caters to uh, sports, sports fans. fans might get abused. I, yeah. I could be wrong on that. So so, so then they're going to build a building on it, and then they might... No, no. They're going to put all their equipment on it while they remodel oh, the hotel. I see. Okay. It's a staging area. Okay. Because, you know, it's Pioneer Square. Where are you going to put all your equipment while yeah, you're doing true. this? You know? Or just in the back of your truck. Yeah. But you know. put, just hang it on the crane overnight. And just Lower make sure it down you don't leave stuff in your truck at night. That's all. Yeah. Just, you got to put it in a hotel at that point. That would be hilarious if they left all the tools and just stole the catalytic, catalytic converters off them. Yeah. Well, they do that. If your car has an alarm, then they won't steal the tools in your car. They'll just take your catalytic converter. Yeah. Or just tow the car away and to heck with <laughs> it. A um, bunch of openings. A place called Here Today Brewing Kitchen has been coming for a long time. Got, you know, sidetracked for a couple of reasons, including the pandemic. But it's on the Seattle waterfront near Sculpture Park. Casual food burgers, dogs, both can be made with either Impossible Burger or Field Roast Dogs for an added charge of $2. But Chris Elford is doing the beverage program. So you know that's going to be he's, – he's very well known in Seattle. He, this is going to be a good place. In fact, I talked to somebody who went – the other night and said, great cocktails, great beer. 
So yeah. field roast dogs. So like, there's that thing about outstanding in this field. Yeah. How about how about roasting dogs out in this field? <laughs> yeah. Plant based dogs out in this field. <laughs> plant based. <dogs. laughs> what's the plant based? What's a plant based dog food coming down the pipe? <laughs> yeah. Because dogs don't need to be meat eaters genetically. Historically, yeah, not I, necessary. You know, if, if you look at the history of dogs, they never ate meat no. before. We, we just, we just, you know, big meat got into it and started we feeding forced, them. Yeah. We forced that on dogs and cats. Oh, they're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the Doe Zone is going to open a new location, this one in University Village, in mid-November. And um, I'm interested to see how they do competitively with Din Tai Fung. Pike Brewing is going to open a tap room in Ballard. And there are other things coming. Um, we uh, talked with Leslie Shore last month on the show, who's the head brewer from Pike Brewing. And uh, Drew, who's the president, has said there's more stuff coming. And we have actually had Ronald Holden go out and get the story for us. So in an in upcoming oh, good. story in Seattle Dining, you'll hear more about that. Also, well, you know, there's not enough brewery, breweries in Ballard right now. And there's, you know, there's such a shortage of tap rooms in the yeah. city as a whole. So. Yeah, I, I think th- there won't be enough until there's one brew pub for every multi-level home in Ballard. <laughs> Let's make that a goal. Let's make that a goal. Portage Bay Cafe is going into West Seattle. Someone told me it's the old agave space, and I didn't remember agave being in West Seattle, so I'm, I'm not sure about that. that. It might have been a different, maybe they weren't sure about the name or something. But huh. Then I also heard that the owner of Black Bottle is opening two new concepts. They're both in the same complex in Redmond. One's an all-day cafe with food and a full bar, and then out in the pavilion, kind of the park-like area, there's a wood-fired pizza place where you just walk up and take it to go. So wow. That's... So the Black Bottle, that was down on 2nd Avenue, right? Yeah, 1st or 2nd, and it's still there. And I thought they opened a 2nd, and I'm not sure if that one closed during the pandemic or something. Huh. I'm not sure. Then Fast Fashion Brewing is going in near the Masonry in Uptown, which is lower Queen Anne, um, and it's shared... Uh, the brewing place is shared ownership with masonry, so I think that they're going to, you know, be able to do pizza and beer, pizza and their own beer. Huh. Kind of like, uh, well, it's not shared ownership, but like uh, the burger place up there on Greenwood, and then there's a brew pub next to it. What's that? What's that famous burger place on Greenwood? Yeah, right down there where where Greenwood cranks off to the. To become uh, Finny. Oh, oh, oh. Um, not Blue Moon. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. There's We're one in, on. in Magnolia. Where the old Starbucks used to be. Yeah. There's a brew pub. Yeah. Like Fremont Brewing Company. Yeah, like I think that. it will be a lot like that. Yeah. There's a new restaurant called La Rye and, and Bar, and it's open on First Avenue in Seattle. And then I like this, and I think there's another one of these coming too, but Rough and Tumble, Seattle's pub for women's sports, is going into the Sawyer space in Ballard this winter. Um, And I I thought I read someplace that there's another uh, tavern kind of thing, pub opening up that will show women's sports. And that's kind of a nice thing because one of their their thoughts is that the um, sports that's shown, if there's women's stuff on, it's on the small TV on the side. It's oh, never yeah. on the big TVs. So this is like going to really focus So it's going to be roller sports. derby on the big TV now, huh? That is so bad. <laughs> like that's all women are into. Hello? Have you heard of women's soccer? Uh, I, I Better well, than men's I, soccer? I, More successful? They like elementary schools, don't they? Oh, my God. Oh. Listeners, I want you to know I will slap him. After this, are we going to have a family reunion? (laughs) Family reunion. (laughs) 
All right. There is an Asian food hall that has gone into the P.F. Chang spot on 4th Avenue. There's six restaurants in there. I, I'm interested in that one. I love Asian food, and I'm, I'm curious what's down in there. So hmm. that's something i got to check out. Then Luna Park in West Seattle closed well, for... Well, now, wait a second. I think that's probably better than having an aging food hall go in. Yeah. It was an aging P.F. Chang's, and it, it left. Yeah. So now it's a bright new Asian food food hall. So Luna Park in West Seattle closed for renovation right before the West Seattle Bridge reopened, and then they're going to reopen again in early 2023. I haven't been to Luna Park in years and years and years. I, I never really liked the food there. So Yeah. I think I haven't been in three years. I was overdoing something in West Seattle, and just stopped. it was easy to stop there for lunch. Hmm. But. Olympia Pizza, I just heard on this, heard this, and I didn't even know it. Um, Olympia Pizza on top of Queen Anne has new owners, and it apparently is the chef who was there partnering with someone else. And there might be another pizza person involved somewhere. It was a confusing story I heard, so we'll, as we find things out, we can it's clarify. It's a tale of the pizza people. Exactly. All righty. Let's, uh, let's take a little break, and then we'll get into the calendar. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. This is Katie, and I live in Yakima. One of my favorite restaurants is Carousel Restaurant and Bistro in Yakima. Hi, this is Julie from Willamette Valley Vineyards in Salem, Oregon, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Connie Adams, and I'm here with Tom Marin, and we're heading into the calendar section. Remember that we pull out some interesting things that are going on, but we add things throughout the month, and you can always go out to seattledining.com backslash calendar and see more. What do you see? Uh, what I'm seeing is on November 2nd, that's on a Wednesday, we've got a Taste America Seattle James Beard Foundation event going on at the Four Seasons Hotel. Uh, general admission is $150, and the premier admission is $200. And that premier admission gets you in an hour earlier. So that gets you in at 6 o'clock. If you just get the general, you go in at, at uh, 7 o'clock. But I'm pretty sure they won't run out of food. No, it's just kind of like you know with taste washing and stuff. You just just mob of people on the on the later enter. Mm-hmm. So uh, it celebrates local independent restaurants, and uh, some of the food stations are going to include Batau, Batau, Batau. Okay, Hood Famous Cafe and Bar, Communion, the Four Seasons Hotel. Imagine that. Yeah. Goldfinch Tavern. Imagine that. Paju. And off the res? Yeah. Indian. Indigenous food. The reservation. Oh, I was thinking of the Reservoir Tavern over in Roosevelt oh, no. District. Off the res. <laughs> and this is a walk around tasting. So these food stations are there and you walk around and try things. And I imagine someone's going to be serving wine or something too. Oh, yes. There will be plenty to drink. Okay. On November 3rd, Thursday, it's the Fall Chef Walks at Captain Whidbey Inn. I think this might be kind of fun. It's a free thing. You just join the team on a walk around the property, and they'll uh, offer light bites, and you can learn about Whidbey's local produce and the inn's partnerships with local farms and artisans. And then if you decide to stay for dinner, which you will pay for, they offer a complimentary appetizer from the Windy Weather Menu. That's hmm. interesting. I've walked around that property a lot. 
And they've never given you a free appetizer. I would imagine in November there's not a whole lot going on in the garden, but maybe there's like a lot of kale. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they just point to it and say, later, we'll have stuff growing here. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have have all our herbs and stuff in the summer. Come (laughs) back to be sure. Uh, November 4th. The, this is Friday night. at uh, It's going to be the Va Piano Winemaker Dinner with Justin Wiley at Russell's from 6 to 10 p.m. This is going to be $180 a person, and that includes the tax and gratuity. It's going to be a multi-course curated menu paired with Va Piano Wines. And everything's pretty darn good at Russell's, so you know that's going to be in Va Piano. Have some really nice wines. Yeah. November 5th, Saturday, is Rare and Well Done at John Howie's Steak at 6.30 p.m. You get to taste up to 100 whiskeys paired with special appetizers in addition to every private barrel selection of John Howie's Steak and rare, harder-to-find whiskeys. You know how we've talked, sometimes you have to break out the 401k? Yep. You better have something serious here. Deep pockets. It's $600 all-inclusive. I wonder if that includes your Uber ride back home, because yeah. if you get to taste up to 100 whiskeys. And if you're paying 600 I'd want to. <laughs> you might not even remember the, the, yeah. the dinner the next day. So. I think, you know, really what I'd want to do is Uber right to the hospital and have my stomach pumped if I tasted that much. <laughs> so I'm sure they don't let you get that, bar, that far down. All right. Um, Saturday, November 5th, it's going to be Elliot's Annual Oyster New Year. From 4 to 8 p.m. It'll be $250 per person plus $25.25 in fees. Sounds like taxes. Yeah. Uh, takes place at Elliot's Oyster House. Includes oysters shucked to order, local wines, fresh seafood, local microbrews, oyster luge, live music, and a raffle. Mm. You and no one's saying whether the Alaskan king crab is coming this year, but we don't yeah, think so. Probably not. Uh, we've mentioned this before because those tickets tend to sell out, um, so we talked about it earlier. And one of the questions you had for me back then was, um, isn't this partly a fundraiser? And it is. So some of that, that 250 plus tax or fees is going to like save the bay, kind of save the sound thing. Yeah. So on Sunday, November 6th, Fair Start's 30th Annual Gala Auction takes place. It is 300 per person, or if you just want to bring some friends, it's 3000 for a table of 10. There will be chefs there from Gravy, Musang. We talked about uh, Musang last month, I think. She's, she's been a James Beard nominee, and uh, so she's got a lot of heft behind her right now. Seattle Convention Center, Frankie and Joe's. So a lot of stuff going on. They have a live silent, live and silent auction and wine auction packages. Um, also on, oh no, that's, okay. Now we move to Thursday, November 10th. Uh, Barking Frog is doing a winemaker dinner featuring Long Shadows Vintners at 5.30 p.m. Uh, it's going to be a six-course curated menu paired with Long Shadows wines. Giles Nacult will be on hand. I assume he's like the winemaker. He maybe? is. Um, we met him. Do you remember? We met him in um, Walla Walla. He's okay. a motorcycle rider. Okay. Yeah. He's their, the, the main guy. Okay. Uh, doors open at 530, and the dinner is at 6 it's going to be $250 per person plus tax and gratuity. And um, so as you your armor truck. Yes. And as you know, if you read Seattle Dining, um, this will be a winemaker dinner chefed by Dylan Herrick, the new chef there. Yeah. So if you're interested to see what he has going on and want some great wine, there you go. Then November 12th, which is a Saturday, the Brown Family Vineyards is doing a wine dinner at Water's Table, and that's the Hyatt Regency on the south end of the lake on, in Renton, mm-hmm. 6 to 9 p.m. Five courses created by Chef Azad, which means that we don't know the chef there now anymore, paired with Brown Family Wines, and a portion of the proceeds are going to the Make-A-Wish Alaska and Washington Foundation. Hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, now, this is our first Thanksgiving one that we're going to talk about. There's a whole lot more, I believe, or, or coming your way soon on so the calendar. F- so far, this is it on the calendar, so we'll see what else we get from people. Okay, so November 24th, Thanksgiving at Water's Table. Uh, oh, I see, we actually have a few here for yeah, Thanksgiving. Okay, Water's Table and Grand Ballroom. It's going to be $95 per person. $23 for kids 12 and under, free for kids ages 1 to 6. Uh, holiday traditions plus a fresh seafood bar and savory carving station. Yeah. Also on Thanksgiving, uh, Eden Hill Hospitality is doing turkey day boxes to go. A half a turkey breast roulade, confit thigh, drumstick Wind? Wing. That should be wing. Ah, drumstick. Drumstick and a wing. Drumstick and wings. Chestnut stuffing. Black pepper and roasted shallot gravy. Mm, mm, mm. And much more. Uh, and and that box is going to run you $275, and it feeds four. Uh, you'll be able to pick it up on Wednesday, the 23rd, between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. at the Eden Hill Restaurant on Queen Anne. Also on Thanksgiving, the Barking Frog menu is going to include soup, turkey breast with turkey day sides, and more. $95 per person. Something is $25. Yeah, for kids. Say again? For kids. For kids. $25 for kids. Uh, Willow's Lodge offers a buffet in the Sammamish Ballroom with salads, turkey stuffing, and more. That's going to be $95 per person. Kids 5 to 12 are going to be $45, and kids under 5 are free. Yeah. So make sure you go if you have a child under 5. And (laughs) to all the rest of you, I wish you a wonderful Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you going to take a little break here. Then we have a couple of special guests coming into the studio. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Pogata Restaurant and Bar, located on Mercer Island. Locally owned and operated since 1997, Pogata offers unmatched Northwest cuisine with an Adriatic flair. Quality food prepared simply, freshly, and with care means every visit is memorable. Come revel in their relaxed atmosphere while enjoying hand-selected fish, brine chicken, and scratch sauces. More information is available online at pogata.com. Hi, this is Bridget. I live in Ballard, and my favorite restaurant is Monsoon up on Capitol Hill. I'm a sailor. I love the outdoors and all those fresh flavors at Monsoon. Ah. Hey, everybody. This is Garrett Swanson, host of Seattle Refined on Como TV. You're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Back on the Seattle Dining Show, it's me, Tom Marin, the editor, publisher, founder, and accountant. Editor? Well, I am one of the editors. Okay. And I'm here with (laughs) Connie Adams, who's all the rest of the editors. (laughs) And we've got some special guests in the studio. Tell us about our special guests, Connie. Our special guests are kind of neighbors of mine. They are the owners of the Sushi Samurai on Queen Anne Avenue North. And uh, we have a long history. They catered my mother's 90th birthday. So I have excellent memories and of a lot of good meals there. And I wanted to have you guys on. It's Ray and Amanda. wanted to have you guys on because I think your whole history of opening this uh, and always being sustainable fish was interesting. But Amanda's kind of pushed you forward into some new territory. And so I wanted to talk about that. So let's go a little history. When did you first open? We opened up uh, June 2013. Wow. And you went in with the theory of we're going to do this only sustainably caught Yes. So fish. we partnered up with Monterey Bay Aquarium um, in order for 
them to kind of help guide us uh, with their seafood program, um, see what's sustainable and not. Mm -hmm. And over time, it it got really, really difficult because a lot of the vendors didn't want to spend the time to help us figure out what's sustainable and what's not sustainable. Oh, wow. That's kind of rude. It is. Yeah, because for them, it's it's all about the money. And so when they take the time to spend time for the traceability aspect of it, yeah, they're like, no. You know, this is a little off the, well, not off the subject, but not something we talked about before. But I was, was it a Netflix show or something? But there was something about how yeah. people, Monterey Bay, as well as other sustainable fishery kind of people, have sold their labels to people who aren't actually fishing sustainably oh, or wow. put to put on products. And I, did you ever run into that or have a concern about that? I, I didn't, you never know when you see a show like that is, is it absolutely true mm-hmm. or is it somebody trying to give them a black no, eye? No, I, I had no idea that yeah. that was going on. Um, yeah. But it, it was nice with their guidance to yeah. um, kind of see which one we would prefer to have and serve. Exactly. I used to carry their little fold-out thing that you could put in your wallet. So oh, when you went to the store, you could look at it. And if they didn't have labels on it or something, you could at least see the type of fish that would be safer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, Amanda, you – and after – it's been a number of years, and then all of a sudden you had this idea. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. Uh, well, as I became more involved in the restaurant um, – well, I've been a vegetarian on and off my whole life at one point, seven years straight. Oh, wow. And I couldn't get on board with the fish thing. I was, like, working against myself. Like, I I didn't want the business to do well. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> you didn't want to kill all those fish. Yes, yes. <laughs> Seeing the fish come in, that was that was hard. And um, so we talked about, I kind of knew it would have to go in a diff- different direction. And I just didn't know what that would be until... Um, the point came where I was like, not another day. We're doing this now, ready or not, sink or swim. Here we mm-hmm. go. And we did it. Wow. And then do you, how do you, I mean, where does the plant-based fish come from? Is that something that you make or do you buy? We buy the product. Okay. Yeah. okay. Initially, we started making some of the, like the tuna. We would use tomatoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then it, it would <laughs> take us work. forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because the like, especially with the demand for it, since we were the first in Washington State to do it, wow, the demand was insane, and we we just couldn't keep up. Like we were, mm. Amanda would be there till about two, three o'clock in the morning, uh, just doing tomatoes for our spicy tuna, and oh man, it was it, it got it got harder and harder. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And are there a lot of sources for that, or is it still a pretty baby industry? I think it's pretty baby. We found some vendors we liked, and we we started ordering. One is on the East Coast, so our shipping actually costs more than the product itself. Oh, man. So I'd say, yeah, it's in its infancy. Yeah. Boy, somebody should be listening to this and saying, I'll open on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, no, what's interesting, too, is with Amanda's science background, we were, were able to get a lot of the flavors once we get a lot of the product because it's, it's not close, but yeah. we, we make it close to what salmon would taste like, uh-huh. what shrimp would taste like. And I think that's our edge. We yeah. would separate us from a lot of people. Yeah. And that's your science background. I guess so. I don't see it that way. I just see it as adding things to the food. You're just a, a mixologist. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's <laughs> too guess, modest when it comes yeah. to Yeah, maybe, maybe the science background does help. Yeah. I have a question. You have your choice between organic and non-organic on these products? Yes. Um, a lot of the produce that we get from, whether it's from Business Costco or the Restaurant Depot and stuff like that, they do certify it as organic and some of this stuff's non-organic. Mm-hmm. But, but we, on, uh, or, uh, on the sushi, on the, on the vegan sushi, is that organic? I think it's inorganic. I don't remember on the package if it said organic. Okay. I would be surprised if it was organic because the ingredients are unusual. I think one of them is an ingredient from Asia. Oh. Konjac root. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. If yeah. I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, so that's the that's the base for a lot of the oh. like the fish and 
stuff hmm. like that. And so it's like tapioca starch. And oh, okay. So it's like they're providing the texture almost. Mm-hmm. And then you can make the flavor what you want to make. Yes. Yeah. To me, yeah, when I tasted it, it needed some more things added to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because most of the time when it comes to like vegan stuff, um, a lot of people would say, oh, it's pretty bland or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, it'll do. But for us, we want to be able to take the flavor to where it needs to be. Yeah. Just so for the customer's experience, it's, you know, they they appreciate, okay, these guys really are taking it to the next level. The yeah. shrimp is really close. We don't add anything to the oh, shrimp. Oh, okay. But, okay. Yeah. And people still use um, wasabi and soy, so yes. it's, you know, that flavor is there. Oh, yeah. The flavor, I mean, 90% of sushi is already vegan. The rice, the seaweed, the avocado, cucumber, the toppings, the sauces. We just switched yeah. out the fish. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because a lot of people don't know that sushi means vinegared rice. Oh. And so anything you put on with a vinegared rice is sushi. Oh, and so okay. when, when we first transition to 100% vegan and plant-based, there's a lot of people who got upset and walked out and said, hey, this is not real sushi, which was very interesting. Yeah. I wondered, you know, at first, I'm trying to think, you had something on the window. Oh, yeah, 100% plant-based. That was Amanda. Well, but it was a smaller thing or something. And I was wondering now, oh, I know what I was wondering. Is it all or have you added and so I oh. think all of a sudden, you know, like a week later, I walked by and there was a giant sign, 100% plant-based. And I was like, oh, they must have had this question from many a people. Yes, many people a person. that read signs, no matter how many signs we put up, they'll come mm-hmm. in and we have to tell them, we have to warn them. <laughs> and they would also ask, what does it mean? Which is very what interesting. Do you mean, what do you mean plant-based? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> boy. 100% plant-based. So everything's vegan? So that, that, that's one of the questions we get almost every day. And they say, so you don't have fish. <laughs> so they are very, it's <laughs> very... I guess sushi to everybody means fish. Fish, yes. yes. Yeah, in yes. America, that just means fish. Mm-hmm. Interesting, though. I, I'm surprised that they don't kind of know what plant-based means. You kind of have to be under a rock to not see things out there like this. Well, and I also think there's a pushback when it comes to when you call things plant-based. People just don't want to believe it or especially you know for people that had been dining with us for yeah. nine and a half years yeah um what what's been the response overall and have you lost a lot of those customers have they come and tried it and now they're staying so a lot of the regular customers that we've had they who are open-minded they do try it and then they absolutely love it oh good um yeah and the demographics had changed um, but the response is really like it's really really good. Yeah, I've noticed. Well, you see, like what's going on with Heartbeat. You know, they're they're always cranking out over there. So there's definitely a market in the neighborhood mm-hmm. for all yeah. the vegan, vegetarian, that sort of stuff. All the go Chaco Canyon went down, mm-hmm. and people do travel now. Um, we there's a lot of people that make reservations, and they do come from like Danbury Island. Because oh, they cannot Tacoma. get it anywhere. Yeah, and so, wow, it's 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 been very exciting for us. Yeah, it's it has to be incredible to come up with this and say we have to do it, sink or swim, and then think it really could have been sink. You know? Yeah, it was and rough then to that first it. month. We had periods where we didn't have any customers, and we're kind of looking around at the employees. Uh, uh, but I was surprised it picked up so quickly after that. I. The only statistic I could find was maybe one out of the 10 people in Seattle were vegan. And I thought, we're never going to find all those people. Yeah. But So I was surprised that people actually found us and drove to us. Yeah. You know, I think uh, it's one of the beautiful things about the Internet. Because do you remember the um, South African cafe that was at the other end of on top of Queen Anne? Oh, yes, at the corner. Yeah. I mean, they had South Africans. Uh, they had like a Sunday contingent from Renton, I think it was. that, And they all drove up. And did their tea there oh, on Sunday right. afternoon. You know, how would how would you know in Seattle? Well, I think but for us, one of the biggest reasons why it absolutely took off was there is one um, Instagram influencer that's vegan that had stopped by and posted 
uh, a video for her followers. Uh. And and the next thing you know, there's just tons of foodie wow. Instagram influencers that would show up and everyone's got 25,000 followers and yeah, it's been, it's That's been amazing. Yeah. It's been really good with yeah. social media cow. and happy cow. Yeah. Um, I also just want to say that since 2013, um, we've never had this type of reception where the first two months we actually had about 70 five star reviews between happy cow and Google. Wow. And it, it, it was, it was That's amazing. Yeah. It was exciting. People very, very love exciting. to hate. So, you know, you'd well, think you'd get a lot of that. And to have we, that well, many. We did get some. We got some hate emails. Yeah. Initially, we had received a lot of hate emails saying that we're going to fail and we've gone too far and this and, and that. we're just trying to fit in. Well, that was from the Hater Cow website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> the unhappy cow. Exactly. Unhappy Hater Cow. <laughs> but we, you know, we, we, we do like our chances. Um, yeah. You know, we. We feel good about the choice that that move that we made, mm-hmm. and now we're. I'm excited that we're coming up with a lot of different things. We pared down the menu mm. um, in order for us to kind of slow things down and mm-hmm. make things better. Yeah. Well, you guys have always been a little bit ahead of the curve. You know, sustainably cut fish was going when you started, but it wasn't common. You know, mm-hmm. and now people are like, "Is it?" You know, they want that, and now you're taking this next step. So, And I, I do know, since I live nearby, that I was worried about you. And then I started walking by, and the place would be packed mm-hmm. more than I had seen it packed in a while. Exactly. <laughs> so it was like, okay, they're doing all right. Um, let's see. We talked about that. What, what about pairing? I mean, sushi's your sushi always has gone with sake, of course, and there was beer. It, do people, does it pair well? Oh, it does. It does. Because a lot of the flavors and textures are the same or mm-hmm. we make it better. And so people still do pair it with wine, pair it with sake. And yeah, so it, okay. that one, that, in that aspect, it stayed the same. Okay. That's cool. Let's see. And, well, you talked about uh, kind of winnowing the menu down. but um, And you kind of mentioned this, too. I was thinking the rest of the menu might have been vegan already. I mean, like. Or, well, edamame. Mm-hmm. And and you do, I think there, didn't you have like a butter garlic edamame or something? So that wouldn't have been vegan. But is that still on the menu? Okay. Edamame, that was, Edam- everybody loves it. And it's something that, like you say, it's normally vegan, but people don't think about it when they order it. Right. It's just like a favorite starter yeah. at the restaurant, mm-hmm. at a Japanese restaurant. So The yeah. miso was the biggest challenge to try to get the rich flavors yes. without the bonito flakes. The race spent a lot of time perfecting that recipe and i feel it's perfect like it's missing yeah we worked together um putting together that new miso recipe and i absolutely love it it's it's really really rich and flavorful i need to try that because i used to love your miso soup because you put shiitake mushrooms in it and i know i was in one time and somebody said to me get it at the end of the day because it sat there and simmered, and mm-hmm. it's really, you know, yes. all very concentrated. It's the best then. <laughs> what about, I was curious about tempura prawns. Do you fry anything anymore, like tempura? Oh, we I, do. We fry a lot of things. We're okay. not trying to be healthy. <laughs> we'll put it in the fryer. We have a lot of fry. <laughs> toppings. Oh, we're not trying to be healthy. We just don't want those big tuna coming in. Yes. Exactly. Yes. No, we still want to give our customers a lot of those flavor profiles yeah. they, that they absolutely miss and love yeah. they do fry well and they that they was... hold up better they're fresher we're not having to taste the fish and like oh. you know it, it because it's up. consistent it's, yeah maybe yeah and it, it's 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 holds its check texture and it okay. fries well it tastes good it's it stays fresh for a while so. wow yeah that frying was a, cur- a curious thing for me because i thought i don't know does it I mean, certainly people fry vegetables and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but I didn't know how, what the product was and how it would. It's deal. making me want to try frying the salmon. I'm curious. Oh, but yeah. the prawns, yeah. Yeah. Uh oh. She's got to go. <laughs> yeah. Headphones are off. She's dashing down the door. I got to go try this. <laughs> what else would you want people to know about Sushi Samurai? Um, 
we've got the food. I feel like we've got the food down pat, mm-hmm. but like all businesses, we have our weaknesses. So be prepared for a little bit of a wait. I think it's worth it, but we struggle with staff. And most recently we decided, you know what, just for right now, we're going to stop hiring. We're just sticking with a, with just family. So yeah. might be a little bit of a wait for a while until we get our motivation back. To yeah. Retry our hand at hiring and staffing. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard for everybody right now, the staffing. So. I know what people should know. Hmm. If they're trying to find Sushi Samurai up on top of Queen Anne, just look for the world's smallest, teeniest, tiniest delivery car. <laughs> there, there you go. That's exactly what it is. It is cute. And we're thinking about changing it up and maybe making it look like an avocado. <laughs> just so it stands out even more. He'll do it. He'll do it. Yeah, I mean... It, we're at a point where it's like outside the box, and yeah. we've never been inside the box type yeah. of business owners, and so oh it's exciting gosh. times. It is. This is really fun. And anything for the animals. We love, love, love animals, and so yeah. that's why taking this step as business owners was easy, but it was also scary. Yeah. Yeah. But there's an awful lot of animal lovers out there with you, so, you know. Somebody, some, sometimes somebody needs to stand up and it makes other people think. So, Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being here today. This was so fun. Did you have another question? No. Oh, okay. Right. Thank you guys for coming up. Well, thanks thank for having for us. Thank you for having us. It's yeah. so fun. I, it's I need great. to go try it. Anybody listening needs to go try a little vegan sushi yeah. on the top of Queen Anne. Was the address up there? 1817 Queen Anne Avenue North. Okay. Yeah. And there's just, you know, the, the back-end parking along the street, so... There's yeah. places to park. Oh yeah, there's always parking in there. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's take a little break. When we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by the Resort at Port Ludlow, nestled on the shores of Puget Sound, just an hour from Seattle. The Resort at Port Ludlow offers 37 cozy rooms, each with a fireplace and jetted tub. And Fireside, a farm-to-table restaurant celebrating the bounty of local farms, artisan meats, and cheese. The dinner menu changes daily to reflect the best the region has to offer. Their 18-hole golf course is appreciated by players of all skill levels with stunning views throughout. The 300-slip marina offers many amenities along with kayak and watercraft rentals. Find more information online at portludlowresort.com. Hi, this is Kim Jones with the Washington Beer Blog. When we go out to eat, we like to go to Schooner Exact Brewing. They have an elevated menu for a brew pub and a great selection of locally brewed beers on tap. Hello, this is Jeff Green from B&E Meats and Seafood, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. again to Ray and Amanda from the Sushi Samurai for coming in and talking with us. And we have come to the last segment of the show where we're going to share a couple tips and tricks. Connie, what do you got? Well, you know, I was thinking about the holidays coming up, and my childhood was pretty traditional. So I still, you know, oh, I want the turkey, and I want the mashed potatoes and gravy, and I want the some kind of squash, uh, you know, and I, uh, it, it gets to be so much food. Too much. Either it's just us or we have friends in. And, uh, so this year I was thinking, you know, and, and we've talked about on this show, the, what's happening with snow crab and king crab and prices and everything. And I think, you know, we need to be mindful about two things going into the holidays. Be open-minded about what you might want for dinner. Maybe it's not turkey, or maybe it's turkey, but it's turkey breast or like the turkey cutlets that you make. It doesn't have to be a 17-course meal that you can barely move afterwards. With the jelly and the... I want my house to smell good, whatever I'm choosing to make. You know, I'd like it to smell good and feel like a warm, comforting place to be. But the other thing I want to always keep in mind is... 
it isn't about the food. It's about spending time with people you care about. And, you know, you want to make everybody happy, and, and, but it's the, it's the laughter and the jokes and the talking about stuff that's, that makes a holiday fun. There's no pressure. You've got time. Yeah. Enjoy that and, and stop just feeding your face because yeah. although that's my tradition, it doesn't do me any good. Go make those mashed potatoes and the squash and the Mashed potatoes and gravy. And Honestly, the... I could kick everything else out the door and just eat that, and that would be so good <laughs> for me. So, Well, all right. I got one for the holidays, too. Okay. And that is that uh, most spices uh, have a shelf life of about six months. So once you've mapped out what you're going to be cooking at home for the holidays, um, go to your spice bin and... Take a look at how old some of those spices are and replace them. And you can do this really inexpensively. You don't have to go out and buy a bunch of new jars of spices. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen people's spice drawers and cabinets where the jars of spices are, oh, they could be like 10 years old. But uh, really all you got to do is just go down to your local PCC market or whoever has a good bulk supply and uh, go in and just buy little one, two, maybe three tablespoons of any of those spices you're going to be using, and you'll have nice, fresh spices for the holidays, and your food is going to really perk up. It's going to be delicious. It will. And then after the holidays, you don't have leftovers that you're going to leave in there for the next 10 years. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I agree. Good tip. All right. We are at the end of the show for November. Thank you for joining us. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on, surprisingly, subscribe free. All right. Well, we want you to uh, dine well, dine out, dine in, dine off, and, (laughs) and we will see you back here on the December show. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.